This is Indianapolis coach, Reggie Wayne, and you're listening to the For the Culture podcast. This is the For the Culture podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Got a ton of questions for this post-draft For the Culture Q&A. Jason and I are going to split them up. He's going to take part one today, and then I'm going to take part two later this week because it's been tough for us to record at the same time. We're able to do it, but I think the audio quality goes down, and then we end up giving the same answers to a lot of the questions. So Jason's going to take part one today. Tomorrow we are scheduled to have a player on the podcast. Might push that upload back till Tuesday because tomorrow Jason and I will hop on together to talk about the Malik Hooker news. Whatever the Colts decide to do, if they offer him the fifth-year option or if they decline it, either way we'll come on to discuss it and give our opinions on what the Colts decide to do with Malik Hooker entering now the fourth year of his rookie contract with that fifth-year option in 2021. So that'll be tomorrow's podcast, and hopefully we have our 2020 draftee Record tomorrow, we'll upload that on Tuesday, and then I'll probably hop on Wednesday with part two of this post-draft for the culture Q&A. So Jason, getting right into question number one, do you see the Colts adding more veteran depth at offensive tackle post-draft? I actually talked about this with Luke. I thought maybe calling Jason Peters, who recently retired from the Eagles, would be an option just because I know he has a relationship with Frank Reich. But under no circumstances can this team go into the season with what they have right now, which is Danny Penter, who I like, Javon Patterson, who I actually like, and then LaRaven Clark. Like, I don't mind the first two guys. I would not mind adding Evan Beam if I could, because I know he's played in our offense and he knows how to play center, guard, you know, versatile. But we absolutely have to sign a tackle. There's no question about that. We cannot go into the season with LaRaven Clark as our number one backup tackle to Anthony Costanzo and Braden Smith. That is a recipe for a lot of injuries and a friggin' disaster. So hopefully we'll see Chris Ballard do that and dip into the free agent market and sign somebody that's serviceable. I mean, anybody almost is serviceable compared to LaRaven Clark. He was a healthy scratch most of last year. With Blackman on the men, do you see Ballard adding a third safety to the mix? Well, right now, if you look at the roster, we have four safeties that are they're clearly going to be on the roster. You you got Malik Hooker, you got Kari Willis, you got George Odom, you got Roland Milligan right now. And I think Julian Blackman is going to go on pup at the beginning of the year. Maybe not, but I think that's probably the safest scenario for him. It's possible they sign another free safety. I don't think it's going to be a big name. I know there's a lot of talk of Eric Berry, but I think we're set with our starters. I think it would be a back-end guy. Somebody that, you know, maybe a vet, somebody that could just help, somebody that's not, not going to cost too much. So it's possible, definitely a possibility. But I know they like the four guys they have and now the five guys they have with Julian Blackman. So, and TJ Carey can play back there in a pinch too. So we'll see what happens. But would I be shocked if they added a third safety? No, I wouldn't be. Definitely would not be. Ballard always trying to create competition there. How many wide receivers will we keep? Well, I think we keep six. Do you think Patman will be on the roster? It's a tough question to answer because we haven't seen him play, you know, as far as NFL football. I think it's pretty clear that Hilton, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, Zach Paschal, those four have it locked up. The three guys that I'm excited to see, Marcus Johnson, who proved to me he can play in this league last year, and then Desmond Patman and Doris Fountain. Neither of those guys have shown that they can play in the NFL yet. So, to me, I think the, the five that, that I just mentioned, Marcus Johnson being one of them, 
are the five that are going to make it. And I think it comes down to probably Fountain and Patman. And I think whichever one doesn't make the team will be on the practice squad. That's who I think your six players will be. Or it could be reversed. They could keep those two guys and try to get Marcus Johnson on the practice squad. But it's a good problem to have. A problem that we didn't have two weeks ago. Now we have a good problem because we have a lot of good talent in our wide receiver room. And that's always a positive thing. How many TDs and interceptions will Rivers throw? And what seed are the Colts in the playoffs? Well, I went back and looked at the numbers that Rivers had when he was with Nick Sirianni and, and Frank Reich in San Diego, and they were much better than they've been the last few years. I think there's a good chance he throws more than 25 touchdowns and less than 15 interceptions. A lot of his interceptions were, especially they were a bad team last year, so they were behind a lot. A lot of his interceptions were him just trying to make plays. That guy doesn't care about anything but winning, not stats, not any of that other crap. He just cares about winning. So if the team's down, he's going to try to make throws to get him back in the game. And a lot of times those throws were intercepted. So I think in, with this team and the way it, this team is set up with the run and everything else, I think you're going to see a lot less a lot less risks being taken and a lot less interceptions and a lot more touchdowns. So I'm really excited. I think he's a perfect fit to run this offense, and I think he's going to have a big year. What seed do I see the Colts in the playoffs? Well, I think they're going to win the division, and I think the only two teams that are clearly better than the Colts at this point, Kansas City's a Super Bowl champ, so until somebody knocks them off, that's who they are. They're going to be the team to beat number one, whatever, in the AFC and in the league, in my opinion. And then two, Baltimore. Baltimore had another insanely good draft. Their defense is going to be the best. I mean, it's going to be a top three defense, maybe the best. They've got so much talent on that side of the ball. And then until somebody figures out to consistently slow down Lamar, man, they're going to be tough to beat. So those are the only two teams that I place ahead of the Colts right now, so I would say third. Should the Colts have drafted another tight end, or you, do you think this is a make-or-break season for Mo Alley-Cox? Well, I do wish they would have taken a developmental tight end late, like a kid from LSU, Stephen Sullivan, six foot seven. I really liked him. I know that the tight end from Washington was one of the highest rated tight ends and he has like some injury red flags. I would have taken the risk on him. He was signed as a UD, UDFA after the draft. I a hundred percent would have taken the risk and, and uh, drafted him in the sixth round if I could have, or traded and gotten a seventh round pick and taken him there because I think he's going to be a good player in this league, and I think it was worth the risk to try to get him. Unfortunately, we didn't get him, and so it is what it is. We I think we have five guys on the roster right now that are tight ends, but the two are, I think, fillers. The first three, obviously, are good. Moali Cox has done a really good job since he's been in the league. He's been a great inline blocker. He's made some plays down the field. Do I think he needs to improve on... His offensive prowess as far as catching the ball this year, absolutely he does. I mean, he's got to get better at that. He's got to get out and make more plays. But that said, I mean, you need guys like Mo Alley on the team. We need to have a guy that's a good inline blocker that you can put on the goal line and, you know, he can get out, you know, run a little quick out in the end zone or he can run a fade, whatever. You can get the ball to him however you want. But I just think there's so much value in having a guy that can do both. And I think this is a year where we, we should see Mo Alley come into his own catching the ball and getting more comfortable. But again, there's a lot of a lot of mouths to feed, so to speak. There's a lot of players on this team that are exceptional offensive players. So I'm not sure how high up on the rung he's going to be as far as getting balls thrown to him. But I do know you need guys like Mo Cox on your roster to win games. So I do not think it's a make-or-break season for him. I think he's proven what his worth is, and that's as a blocker. He just needs to develop a little bit more each year as far as pass receiving. So 
to answer your question, definitely don't think it's a, a make-or-break season for him, but I do think we need to see some improvement. Do you think Jordan Wilkins will get traded before the season? That's a great question. I think Jordan Wilkins has been treated unfairly by this regime for whatever reason. Um, he, I thought he had a solid year last year. I think he aver- had a five-yard per carry average. He had big-time runs. He had that t- the run in the Tennessee that, that uh, cinched that game for us in week two. Uh, he had a couple games where he ran the ball nine times for 90 yards or something insane like that. He's just not gotten the chance. And, I mean, his rookie year he had issues with fumbling, picking up blocks, all that kind of stuff, and, and really knowing where to be. Now, his second year he, he looked so much better to me and improved, and he just didn't get a lot of chances. I mean, even when I think we went to Houston on a Thursday night, he didn't get any chances. But I think he – not positive. I can't remember, but trying to remember back, I think he might add a little bit of an ankle tweak that week. I'm not sure, but um, I, I just would like to see the kid get a chance, and I just don't think it's going to happen now that we have Taylor. I think Taylor and Mack are the two. They're going to get the bulk of the carries, and unless one of those guys gets hurt, you know, they're probably going to roll with, with those two. And uh, I get it. I understand it, but I feel bad for a guy like Jordan Wilkins who's done everything they've asked him to do and gotten better every year, and I don't think he's ever going to get a chance to prove what he's learned here. So I do think it's probably, he's either going to get traded or released. I, I think he will be picked up and I think he will play well wherever he goes because I think he's a damn good football player. So that sucks, but you know, I'm a big Jordan Wilkins guy. I thought he was a solid pick a couple of years ago. Still think that, still think he's going to develop into a good player, but I just don't think it's going to be with the Colts based on how they've used him or not used him last year. And the fact that they've picked up Taylor and Knicks and a bunch of other guys. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll probably get traded. And if he can't find anybody, I think they'll probably just outright release him. How many of the picks this year have an impact in this year's season? All of them. All the guys that make the team will have an impact. I think Michael Pittman will have an impact in the red zone. I think he'll become, you know, Phil's, you know, go-to big guy by the end of the year. I think Taylor's going to have a big season. I think Blackman, if he gets healthy, will come in and show you why we drafted him how rangy he is in center field and also how good of a tackler he is. I think Jacob Eason will learn behind the two quarterbacks that we have and get better every day. Don't think that'll be an impact felt now, but I do think that's an impact felt down the line. I think Penter improves their interior offensive line, so there'll be an impact there. If there's an injury, he'll come in and he'll he'll play well. And then, you know, Windsor, probably not a big impact guy, but somebody that you'll have on the roster for effort, and he'll be there to push these other guys. And if they don't you know, live up to their billing. If they don't do their job, he'll take their job. So it's good to have him. That's the impact he'll make. It's a different impact than an actual impact on a game. I think he's going to have an impact in training camp by pushing players. And then you look at Desmond Patman, that size-speed combo has a chance to make an impact. I think the speed on Rodgers and the special teams prowess has a chance to make an impact. And then you look at Glasgow. I think he's got a chance to make an impact on special teams as well. So I think there's a, there's there's levels to the impact stuff. The two guys I expect to make the biggest impact, obviously, are Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor, and I think you're going to see it right off the bat. The second question I just noticed to this question was, uh, well, will Blankenship be the UDFA to make the team? I think there's going to be two guys that push to make this team. I think Blankenship is definitely your best guess. I think he probably makes this team. He's got a stronger leg, doesn't kick low trajectory balls like Chase does. He's got range from 55. He's you know, he's pretty consistent. I think he's going to make the team and be our kicker for the next 10 years. And you got a guy like Kendall Coleman, I think he's going to push Tyquan Lewis and allow those other guys 
Not sure if he makes the team. I think he's got a hell of a chance to make the team. I know he's been working his tail off with Robert Mathis. If you haven't listened to the interview that Luke did with Robert Mathis, it's amazing. Uh, he raved about Kendall Coleman. So I'm excited to see what Kendall Coleman can do and Rodrigo Blankenship because I think both of those guys, you know, especially Blankenship, have a really, really high percentage chance to make this team. So great questions. How much of an impact do you think Pittman Jr. will have Day one, well, I think he's going to have a big-time impact. I think he's going to be a big-time red zone target and a guy that Phillip Rivers, I think, is going to use as a security blanket like he did uh, Vincent Jackson and Mike Williams in San Diego. Do you think the Colts should offer a seventh-round pick or a pack of unopened circus peanuts for J.J. Watt? I would probably go with the circus peanuts. I think they would prefer that. They don't seem to like picks very much, so I think I would give them some circus peanuts. Like you said, I think it would be tempting for, for Bob. And listen, we love Bob here. We love Bob Sanders. We love Bill O'Brien. I mean, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Bill O'Brien, general manager and coach. Hope it stays like that for a long time. What a genius. I always thought we'd keep Jacoby and three quarterbacks if we drafted one. Seems a lot of people want him out when having the best backup in the league is far more beneficial to the team. I agree. Rosters expand to 55 this year. What do you think about the pros and cons of keeping Jacoby and three QBs? Well, the pros are, you know, you get your understudy, Eason, learning from two pros. Like, you can say what you want about Jacoby, but he's a pro. Like, he knows how to prepare. He's a, you know, good leader. He, he's in the meeting rooms. He does everything the right way. He's a great teammate. We've heard all that stuff. And then Rivers is a fiery guy, wants to win, doesn't care about stats. I think those are two great guys to learn from. Then you throw in Frank Reich, who's been a quarterback and has mentored quarterbacks and Sirianni and Marcus Brady. And you've got you've got so many great football minds in that quarterback room that I think it almost makes having Eason there as a third guy. It makes it worth it because you're going to get even though he's not going to have an impact this year, he's going to grow as a player because he's going to be around such smart people and he's going to learn new things. He's going to be coached up. He's going to be pushed. Those guys are going to push him. As far as having Jacoby as the number two, I'm all right with it because, you know, you want to have a chance to win a game if your quarterback goes down. And I'd much rather have Jacoby out there than Chad Kelly or Jacob Eason if something was to happen just because we're still trying to win. He can go in there and win games. It's not going to be pretty and they're going to be close, but he can do enough to win you some games. And the way that this team's built around him now with the the addition of Pittman and also Taylor adds to the fact that we could run the ball more, having more of, of a home run threat in Taylor. It'll make Jacoby's job a little easier, and he won't have to do something that we all hate watching him do, which is throwing the ball. So I like where we're at in the quarterback room. I think we're set up for the future. I'm not a huge fan of keeping the extra guy, but in this situation, I get it. I understand it. You don't want to lose Eason. You don't find those guys with the, that arm and that size very often in the fourth round. So We'll see what happens. Eason's still got to play his way on the team, though. Like Ballard said, he's got a lot of things to improve on. He's got a lot of things to work on. So that's something to watch for during training camp and preseason is how much does he improve. Because if he just comes in out of shape and doesn't play well or do anything, he'll cut him. He's done it before. He cut Zach Banner, kid out of USC when he came in overweight and out of shape. So I'm not saying he's going to cut Eason, but I'm saying Eason's just got to do all the right things to stay on the roster. So that's the way I feel about that. Why are we waiting so long to sign Hooker? The extra year price isn't exorbitant. And why give up on his natural talent so soon? It's a great question, and I have no answer for you. I talked to Luke about this for about an hour earlier today. 
No clue. The only things I could think of was he's got an injury that we don't know about, and so they're hesitating on that extra year, or Malik Hooker wants them to completely restructure his deal and get a long-term deal done. Those are the only two things that I could see that they're working on and why it hasn't happened. I have no idea. Those are just guesses. They absolutely should, and I think will pick up that option. If they don't, I will be shocked. So, very good question. I don't have a very good answer for you. They absolutely need to pick that option up, and they absolutely, I think, will. But we'll find out one way or the other come this week, and trust me when I tell you, we'll definitely have a, a show about that one way or the other. So, good question, and one that I think a lot of people were wondering, because usually Ballard's up front about that. Like, they've asked him before, are you going to pick up so-and-so's option? He just says, yeah. But with this guy, they he said, you know, we need to talk about it and all that. So it leads me to believe maybe there's something to this that we don't know about. So hopefully there will be some light shed on that. Because that's a very, very interesting question to why that hasn't been taken care of. Last question. Is this Marlon Max last year in Indy? I kind of think it depends. It depends on how Taylor plays. It also depends on how bad Marlon Mack wants to be a free agent. And how many years he wants. And how, I mean... Listen, why break up the two-headed monster? If you can get him for a reasonable price, and I think you will be able to, then I actually don't think it's his last year in ND because if he's productive this year, it all depends on injuries, production, all that kind of stuff. But I, I think they love Marlon Mack, and I think they'll try to make it work. Does that mean Marlon Mack won't want to go somewhere else? Who knows? Seems to like it in Indy, but he definitely, I mean, as, as somebody that's competitive, I'm sure, is going to want the ball a lot. And so maybe... Next year works out where he doesn't get it as much and Taylor gets it more and that's not good enough for Marlon and he decides to take his talents elsewhere. I wouldn't be mad at him for that, but I think it's much more possible he comes back than it is that he leaves. And that's just my opinion, but I know how much the Colts respect Marlon Mack and how much they like him. So if you're asking me right now, do I think he's going to be back after this year? I do. So thank you guys for the questions. I really appreciate the support. Look forward to talking to you more coming this week. We'll definitely have some interviews and other things lined up for you here on the For the Culture Podcast.